Over the last several weeks of readings at the Sunday Mass, I've been looking at the various parts of the Mass and trying to achieve what the Second Vatican Council asked of us in the Mass, and that is the full conscious and actual participation of all the people in that conscious where it means with knowledge. So to increase a, a knowledge of why we do what we do at Mass, hopefully leads to a greater fruitful, actual participation. As we come to, to this Sunday, I'd like to kind of conclude this series of talks by looking at uh, the communion rite and then finally the, the concluding rites, the dismissal at the end. As I look at the, uh, the communion rite, I, I wanna kind of start with just some, some practical things about receiving our Lord in Holy Communion. This is something that probably you, you learned in second grade, maybe when you made your first communion, but then we, we don't really talk about some of the more practical things. Uh, and so uh, there, there is all the, uh, well, the, the particulars of how we receive Holy Communion. So first off, when you uh, come to Mass, we all know that one of the things we're required to do is that we are to fast for an hour prior to the reception of Holy Communion. Okay, that, that's not actually an hour before Mass starts, but an hour before the reception of Holy Communion. So given that a Sunday Mass goes probably at least an hour, uh, this ought to be an easy one. Don't, don't uh, grab your Snickers during Mass or, or something like that. We'll all be okay. You can fast longer if you want, but the, the law requires an hour fast before the reception of Holy Communion. So there is a, a good way to prepare. The other thing, of course, to prepare ourselves before we even come to church is that if we're conscious of any mortal sins that we've committed, we need to bring those to the sacrament of penance first where they can be forgiven through the ministry of the priesthood and absolution. If we are conscious of mortal sin, then we should not receive Holy Communion until we've gone to confession first. So those two things kind of help us prepare. Now, when it comes time for communion at, at Mass, this time normally in our, our churches here in America, we, we, we kind of have a, a procession now that, that comes up. So do like come all the way up if there are multiple lines. But when it comes to actually receive the Eucharist, how does this work? Well, first of all, let's say that uh, Jesus is fully present, the church teaches, under just the appearance of, of the host, the appearance of bread, and in the chalice. If we were to distribute under what we would call today both species or both kinds, in other words, to have the, what appears bread and the chalice, Jesus is fully present under either of those. So if you receive just the host, for instance, as is the option we have right now during COVID, we're not even distributing from the chalice at any masses, if you receive just the host, you receive the entire Jesus, body, blood, soul, divinity. Likewise, with just the chalice, there are people who have a, a severe reaction to gluten that can't tolerate any of it. So if they were to receive from just the chalice, for instance, they would receive the whole and entire Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Church teaches this, it's important for us to remember, Jesus is not divided, so he's fully present if we are able to distribute from, from both the, the host and the chalice, it is a, it's a fuller sign, we would say. It, it more accurately reflects Jesus at the Last Supper saying, take and eat, take and drink. Uh, but normally in the history of the church, distributing from the chalice to the people was very rare. Just for the very practicalness of 
Well, wine isn't necessarily all that cheap or readily available all over the place. And so to distribute under the appearance of wine for large communities would be cost prohibitive in most places of the world. Uh, and here in America, we, we often would distribute from the chalice on Sundays, but even now during COVID, we don't. Uh, so just know that you get the, the full Jesus. And more than that, Jesus is contained even in the, the tiniest little particle that would be a crumb that looks like bread. That's, that's the whole Jesus. So we're, we're very careful when it comes to now that the distribution of Holy Communion. So when you come forward, uh, there are two ways, in the United States anyway, that we can receive Holy Communion. Uh, the one that is universal throughout the, the entire church, so anywhere you go in the world, uh, is the normal law, is to receive what we often refer to as on the tongue. Now, some people confuse this with like receiving in the mouth. Uh, if you're going to receive on the tongue, like don't just come up and open your mouth. Like actually stick your tongue out. Getting really practical here because I need to be able to put the host on your tongue. I don't want to have to put my hand in your mouth and risk you chomping my fingers off or something. So do actually put your tongue out. I will say the body of Christ, you say amen, you stick out your tongue, and I will put the host lovingly on your tongue, and then I don't have to touch you, you don't have to touch me. It works really well. Uh, so if you're gonna receive on the tongue, stick your tongue out, I will put Jesus on your tongue, and then you can take Jesus into your mouth and receive him. That is the, the universal law for the, the whole church. It is, it is appropriate uh, when you come forward to make a little bow, a sign of reverence uh, before you receive Jesus as well. But the other option that we have in the United States is to receive in the hand. Again, this is a, the universal practice of the church is to receive on the tongue. In the United States, we have a special exception, permission to the law called an indult that allows us in the United States to receive communion in the hand. Uh, no one has to, but if, if you receive in the hand, here's what you need to do. First of all, make sure your hands are clean. We're gonna put God there, so wash your hands. But then when you come forward, put one hand out flat and put the other hand underneath so that I've got a nice flat spot to put Jesus on. Some people come out and they put their hands like together in the middle and I'm afraid Jesus will fall on the floor or they, they wanna kind of receive Jesus in one hand and like flip him up to your mouth or something. Don't do that. It gets me very nervous that Jesus will go flying somewhere or fall. So put your hands out flat, one hand underneath, I will put Jesus in your hand. Then you take the other hand and put Jesus in your mouth and do it right next to where you receive communion. Because what happens sometimes is people will receive in the hand and then they, they wanna create their own little, like, little Eucharistic procession or something. They'll like turn and walk with Jesus or don't walk away with Jesus. Because if you turn and walk away with Jesus, I have to follow you with my eyes because Unlike when you receive on the tongue, I know you've received Jesus. If I put Jesus in your hand and I don't see you put Jesus in your mouth, now I have to watch because I'm like, what are they going to do with Jesus? Okay, I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. They're going back to their pew. They have still not consumed Jesus. They're, putting, they're going to put Jesus in their pocket and I have to go and run after them. Do not do that because if you run off and you do not put Jesus in your mouth right next to where you receive communion, I will assume you are kidnapping Jesus and I will have to follow to make sure that is not happening. At the National Shrine in Washington where I served, I had a Knight of Columbus with a sword next to me. Don't make me get someone with a sword. Just step aside, consume Jesus, um, and, and do, when you put your hand out, allow me to put Jesus in your hand. Sometimes people come forward and I hold up Jesus and they like wanna reach out and grab him. 
Okay, that's my, that's my telltale sign that you are not Catholic. Uh, so if, if I say the body of Christ and someone reaches out to grab Jesus, I'm like, are you Catholic? Uh-uh. Jesus bless you. Move on. Don't be a grabber. Okay, don't be a grabber or a snatcher. Just allow me to put Jesus in your hand. And then the other complicated thing, you see why sometimes it's easier just to receive on the tongue. It gets really complicated if you receive in the hand. You have to keep all these things straight. The other thing you need to be mindful of is those little crumbs I talked about. The little teeniest, tiniest crumb that recognizes bread is Jesus. So you need to look at your hand afterwards and say, are there any crumbs in my hand? And this happens to me as a celebrant. Sometimes I have to like receive a little crumb because that, that's Jesus. So we have to be very careful. Okay, so those are, are kind of the, the practicalness. Sometimes people will make the sign of the cross afterwards. Fine, just consume Jesus first. And then if you want to make the sign of the cross, fine. Uh, it's not required. Now, Jesus talks a lot about, you know, getting bogged down in the details in the scriptures today. You wash kettles and jugs and beds and all these traditions. So that's enough about the, the practical side of communion. I want to talk now briefly about the spiritual requirements for receiving communion. I already talked about, you know, fasting and, and going to confession. Those are very important. But keep in mind too, that when you come forward to receive Jesus, you are renewing the covenant that you created with Jesus at your baptism. You are renewing your baptismal promises. Every time you participate in the sacrificial covenantal meal that is the Holy Eucharist, you are saying once again what you said in baptism. I choose God and I reject Satan. I'm going to follow God's laws and I'm going to reject the allurements of, of Satan and all his empty pumps. Every time I receive the Eucharist, I'm saying publicly, I renew my covenant. I pledge what, what every Catholic pledges when they become Catholic. I believe and profess all that the Holy Catholic Church teaches, proclaims to be revealed by God. It's a renewal of faith, a public profession even, to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. We hear the, the words of St. James in our second reading today then, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Receiving the Eucharist is not just about, oh, I get Jesus because I'm Catholic and I'm, I'm entitled to the Eucharist. No, the Eucharist is always a gift and it's for sinners. So don't think we have to be perfect to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. No, we just have to have confessed all our mortal sins and then therefore be willing to say, yes, I am going to try to live by the moral law. So sometimes it comes up about people being like, denied communion. Like everybody's a sinner. Who should be denied communion? We're all equally unworthy. Very true. We are all equally unworthy of Jesus. He gives us himself as a free gift. I am still the most miserable of sinners. That's why at the beginning of every Mass, we make that act of contrition. We beat our breast and say, even right before we receive Jesus, we say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should even enter under my roof. Just say the word and I'll be healed. All of us completely unworthy. But if we're going to come forward and receive Holy Communion, we have to at least have our words match with what we, we are doing. So if we say, I'm Catholic and I believe all that the Catholic Church teaches, then that's what we say when we receive communion. But if we receive communion and say, yeah, but I'm not gonna live the Catholic life. Now you're a hypocrite that Jesus talks about in the scriptures. Mind you, not that we live the Catholic life perfectly. Nobody does that. But you can't come forward and receive Jesus in Holy Communion and say, yeah, but I'm gonna reject Jesus's teachings and those revealed by his church. 
That's why it sometimes comes up about people being denied communion. Just so you know, that's, that's something that the law of the church actually requires. It, it's a very specific case, but the law says that someone who obstinately persists in manifest grave sin must be denied communion by the minister. I'm required by the law to not give communion to someone who is obstinately persisting in manifest grave sin. Well, normally that doesn't happen because lots of us obstinately persist in sin, but most of the time it's not public, it doesn't create scandal, no one really knows about it. If it becomes something that it's very public, that someone clearly takes a public stance that says, I don't believe what the Catholic Church believes. I reject what the Catholic Church believes. I'm not going to live my life according to what the Catholic Church believes in one way or another. Well, they can't come forward and receive the Eucharist that says the opposite then. If I receive the Eucharist, I'm saying I'm Catholic and I'm, I'm all in. I might not be doing it perfectly, but I believe it and I'm gonna to try to live that way. As long as you're willing to say that, you're all good. But someone who publicly says, I will not live according to the Catholic teaching, the law requires me to deny them Holy Communion. Why? Because it would be bad for them to, to any of us. This goes whether we have public problems or not. If I know I'm not in a state of grace, if I need forgiveness, if I need to be absolved in penance, if I were to receive the Eucharist in a state unworthily, St. Paul tells me, I, I eat and drink judgment upon myself. It, not only does it not help me, it actually hurts me. So me as a, a soul doctor, of certs, as a priest, for me to give the Eucharist to someone who I know is, is publicly uh, professing the opposite of what the Eucharist believes, it would do harm. And so that's why the church requires me to say, no, do no harm, <laughs> physician of soul. Uh, don't harm people with the Eucharist. And so it, obviously it always harms the whole community too when people are publicly saying, I'm Catholic, but you know I, I take a very public stance against the church. So. A little bit about that spiritual side of why people might be denied Holy Communion. And the other law that people always miss, we should deny ourselves Holy Communion if we know we are not properly disposed to receive it. That does not mean that I've committed some small sin. It means if I know that I am not in a state of right grace with God, I need to go to confession first, then receive Communion. Because in the end, you receive God into your very self. God's not afraid of sinners. He draws close to sinners. The Eucharist has always been called the medicine of immortality. We need this divine help. That's why we have to come to Mass every week and receive Jesus over and over and over because we need it, because we get sick from sin every week. The Eucharist is for sinners, me first and foremost. But when we receive God then, that word from James, be doers of the word, not hearers only. We are meant to then go out from this church having received the Eucharist and, and change the world. That's why Jesus gives us this food, and not just any food, but daily bread, every day. Why do we need it every day? Because we sin every day and we need strength every day. We are supposed to leave this church with Jesus inside us in the Eucharist and then go out and change the world. And that brings us to the very last part of Mass. It's called the dismissal. Missa in Latin means to be sent. You are on mission. The last words of the Mass in Latin, said by the priest or the deacon, are ite misa est. Three little words, ite misa est. Ite means go, and it's, it's plural, so like y'all go, y'all go, and then misa est, you're sent. Misa est, it, it has been sent. Literally, the last words of the Mass are 
y'all go. You done, you done been sent. Paraphrase. It's important, though, to think, think about this. Last word. The entire celebration of the Eucharist on Sunday, we sum up and we call it Holy Mass. Mass is, is the Englishified version of Misa. It literally means missioned, sent. The name that the church chose to give to this entire coming together, receiving Jesus and Holy Communion, all that, they summed up in one word, mission, sent. In other words, we could say that the entire purpose for us coming together is to be sent. The Second Vatican Council says that this is the, the summit of the Christian life, but it's also the source. So we come to the mountaintop, we come to the summit, we receive Jesus, but then, then we go down and we are sent. This is a source for everything else that will happen in the Christian life throughout the week. That's why we have to come and then we have to be sent. So how beautiful it is at the end of Mass to be standing there in the presence of God, the, the priest imparts his priestly blessing, and then you are sent. The church is constantly on misia, mission. Pray that this little work through the Mass over the last couple of weeks has, has helped us to appreciate it and how blessed we are then when we get to the end to know that it's not the end. It's just a new beginning. The summit is also the source from which we go out. And so we hear James caution us then with everything we've done, everything we've heard, he tells us then, be doers of the word and not hearers only. You've all been sent, so go be a doer of the word.